Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. Hi. Good morning. Can't move my head. It's real great. Pinched a nerve. What happened? Unclear. Okay. I think I just slept weirdly. And now that I'm old, things like this happen, and I can't move my head. I can't wait for that to be me. Ugh, it's the literal worst. Like, I had to use this extra intense Icy Hot. Didn't do anything. I mean, it did, like, momentarily, like, burned my flesh, and then now <laughs> I'm still here again. But it was just, like, great, nothing. So I just made the situation worse. Got it. Uh, yeah. Can we really quick, speaking of hot things, can we talk really quickly about how we took a LecFit class? <laughs> and I almost died. From Busy Phillips Instagram stories? Yeah. If you're familiar with our queen, Busy Phillips, you've seen a LecFit class. Um, it's where Busy... Uh, takes her phone and is pouring sweat. Yeah, pouring sweat. uh, And we all get to watch. It's great. So you and I did this. You had actually given me a gift certificate for last year's Christmas. Yep. Cut to November. Took a little while. But we did it together. Thank you. It was one of the most bizarre, insane, great, weird experiences I've ever had. I really went with you. I mean, I wanted to go. But I went with you for moral support. Yes, I appreciate it. I'm so glad I did go with you because it was the most confusing entry I've yes. ever seen for a workout class. You had to go f- behind a nice home into a garage, but there yeah. were two codes. There were two codes, two gates. Very complicated. There was a, a, a pedestrian gate. I don't know what that is. We found out. It's just a normal gate. No one calls it a pedestrian gate. And then, yeah, we were in a very fancy part of Los Angeles in a garage. That held like 10 people or less. And it was, it was very intimate. Heated to and very hot. Yeah, very hot. 90 degrees uh, in there. And it was quite a time. Like, I I can't decide if I would have been just as sweaty just, like, sitting in the room. The workout was very hard. My calves still hurt because we bounced on this tiny trampoline. We did what seemed like 47 minutes of leg lifts. For me, the hardest part was when our instructor said to put both ankle weights on one leg. Oh, I didn't. I didn't do that. And I wanted to cry. Yeah, I only put one. Um, Also, the most confusing and interesting part for me was that we were instructed to bounce down, not up. Don't know, like, if you think about yourself on a trampoline. It took me a while to get the hang of that, and when I did, it really clicked. Oh, yeah, and I think that's why my calves hurt so much, but it was quite a time. We were very sweaty. Busy Phillips was not there because we took the 1045 class. I believe she normally takes the 8. I believe she was on a cruise. Yes, she was. really stalker. Yeah, she was was in uh, Florida, but I'm really glad we did it. Honestly, I would do – if I didn't have a day job and were rich, I'd be taking that four times a week. 100%. I really liked it. It was just – yeah, a, it's for rich people. It's for rich people. It's for – let's be honest. It's for, like, rich white ladies of Los Angeles because that's basically what was happening in that class. And they only have classes at 8 a.m., like 9 and 1045. Who can do that? No one. Yeah. Rich white ladies of Los Angeles. I was like, okay, well, sure. Well, they have a streaming service, which if I bought a trampoline and had Mm -hmm. room for it, maybe that's worth it. Yeah. I've also thought that there's very little of that workout that's proprietary. Like, we could definitely just do that It's like Tracy Anderson. Yeah. Really? With a mini tramp. So is that what you're fangirling over? No, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) I am fangirling over A Star is Born. Oh, thank (laughs) God. So I got the screener. By the way, I texted you that I was starting it. Got no response from you because you were being a rock star. I know. It's fine. Yeah. And then I was, Eric was like, did, Nat- did you talk to Natalie about it? Like, what? Huh? Then and I, I was saw like, you the next day I know. you came to pick up a DVD. Yeah. And I was waiting for you to say something and you didn't. And no. I was scared to ask because what if you hated it? It was super funny because then 
I got home and Eric's like, did you talk to Natalie about A Star is Born? I'm like, no, I'm going to save it for the podcast now because now we just have to talk about it. So here, wow. my immediate hot take. This was my literal There are quote. some bugaboos. There are some bugaboos. My immediate hot take was, I liked it. I can't tell you why I didn't love it. Quote, Maren Zabrowski. That's fine. So no joke, my father-in-law and my husband and I watched it. We got a screener. It was great. Mm-hmm. Talked about it afterwards for 30 minutes. Wow. Like, have not talked about a movie at all, like, for that long ever, maybe. And it was one of those things where it was like, I really, really liked it. The performances, great. Like, everyone kills it. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. as a director, kills it. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of things where I'm like, I needed 45 more seconds of explanation over here, I 20 think minutes less I, over here. I think there's going to be a three-hour director's cut, and it's going to give me all the things that are missing. There were just like a couple little... You mean like how they she understood the arrangement to shallow? Yeah, they're just, they're, uh, there were, I don't know, there were a couple things. Like I needed, here was, here was my main thing. The main, the scene where they're... At the award show, which I barely could watch. So painful. So painful. I didn't understand really why that night was any different than any other night. Like, it seemed like he, like, took the same amount of stuff. Like, it's like I needed just, I needed a little more of what happened oh, like in Memphis. Of him to drink or do a different drug or something? Something. Like, I needed a little more of what happens in Memphis instead of just the, like... I need a lot more Memphis yeah. because I didn't need it at all. That's my right. thing with Memphis. My thing was, like, either we explain Dave Chappelle, we get a little bit more yes, going or here. or take him out. Or we don't need any of it. And and I liked him, and, like, I appreciated in, like, that wedding scene. Hello. Um, yes. But, like, I mean, that was just, like, a straight, like... We're pandering to the people who love a Barbara, the Barbara Streisand in A Star is Born with mm-hmm. this whole look and feel. Great. Loved it. But, yeah, I was just like, uh, oh, there's just a couple little, just some tweaks that I would have done. But I, like, beautiful, wanted to live in their house. Yep. Also just like. Did you know that's actually Bradley Cooper's dog? Did not. Now I know. That's amazing. That golden doodle or whatever mm-hmm. the thing was. That's beautiful. Um. Gaga is great. She's great. She did it. Uh, we'll say her fillers a little distracting at some points. Um, For some reason I love her fillers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also I'm just like loving that Andrew Dice Clay has like become this like yep. like established I, actor. I was talking with my Jasmine. friends about this movie, and we all decided we would watch a separate movie about her dad and his friends. Totally. Like, what are they doing all day? Also, that was like a little weird. Like, he's like. Oh, he's a driver. Like, she's being driven around. It, that part, I was like, all right. Like, anything else? Nothing yeah. else? Like, uh, yeah, there were a couple of things that, like, bumped me a little overall. I mean, it, it's just all the best uh, song nominations are going to be from that movie. What else is going to be yeah. nominated? Are you listening to the soundtrack yeah. all the time now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. I mean, I definitely cried. You know, and I knew what was coming, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, I wasn't as, like overwhelmed emotionally as I think a lot of people are who don't know the story because it's yeah, like same. I know what's happening um but it is very that scene at the award show was I couldn't watch yeah, it yeah for me the final scene it doesn't get me as much as it's supposed to the very very final scene yes yeah. until they cut away to him singing yes. that's when I lose it yeah but the song itself doesn't do much for me because it's like a Whitney Houston arrangement it is, which yeah. personally I'm not a huge fan of yeah. I know like everyone else 
loves it and they're right. going to attack me now. Uh-huh. But it's not my favorite thing. So it always takes me out of it a bit. I appreciate that. Even a friend of mine said that this is more like a, the bodyguard than A Star is Born in like that that ending. Interesting. With that song. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I could see that. Appreciated that return to that natural brown hair color, though. I was she, like, she pulled it off. She pulled it off. Um, and that crazy orange. Yeah, that did red. It. She did it. I, and also, I was like, did they Photoshop this alley billboard on Sunset or did we just miss it? Like, oh, they Photoshopped it. It's I was like, crazy. why did they not put that up? Because that would have been amazing. Everyone also, I love the mind. SNL scene. Oh, yeah. It could go on well, all day. And Eric and I, we've like literally still been talking about it. But he was saying how he really appreciates that like you never see their performance from the crowd's perspective. Like ever. The whole movie is like behind the scenes. Like it's like their perspective mm-hmm. on everything. And it's not like them as performers. It's them performing. And it was just like... It was interesting because it's it keeps you in their story as opposed to being like oh these yeah. look at these whatever. Um, you haven't mentioned Sam Elliott. I mean, I mean that scene. First of all, when did he backs you, up, when he backs up, but you know he was driving a a Ram, and Sam Elliott does the voiceovers for Ram. Oh my god! And I was like, you know, Sam Elliott was just like, hey. C- they just gave me a truck. Let me just drive this. Let me yeah, just drive let me on just it. Drive my own truck. Yeah, let me just drive my own truck into this scene. But yeah, when he backs up, whew, it's. So and there was also a little bit. That's my other bugaboo. Oh my god, that's my other bugaboo. Totally understand when he's back at us, like when he's at SNL. They explain that, but then Mm -hmm. he's like back in the mix, and there's no like, oh, you're my manager again now. He realizes his brother can't hear, and he's like, I gotta do something. And that part's a little weird too. Like it's like we push the hearing a lot, but then that never materialize, and it's like, are we? I don't know. There's just like a couple little details, but the emotion and the songs and the performances sort of like push that aside. Yeah, you kind of forget about some of the like yeah. plot holes. But then when you start talking about it, you're like, mm. it's a little like American Horror Story where we're like, we love debt. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, there's a couple of things. What are you fangirling over? I'm sweating. I mean, it should. This episode should just be about a stars. I know. I'm so sorry. Just push everything aside. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I am actually fangirling over a podcast. Um, someone told me to listen to. So. For those, I know actually a couple of you listening have started listening to Fangirl Fridays because of our insane Sex in the City series. <laughs> Which I, I wasn't did even while on. you were gone. I know, amazing. Oh, I have something about that too. Go ahead. Um, but there is a podcast called Origins with James Andrew Miller, okay. which is a podcast I don't listen to. But they did a three-part series on Sex in the City. Okay. And they basically interview everyone from the cast, with the exception of Kim Cattrall. Mm, weird. And it's it's basically like a behind-the-music podcast, <gasps> which My dream. should exist. Why doesn't it not? I will pitch it, but MTV already ended their podcast because they did not do well. Mm. But I still think this would work. So it's basically just a series of interviews that are cut to make sense as they tell the story Great. of the creation of the show. And, like, I'm about to get into this, um, episode three, which I think is about the movies and maybe some downfall. I'm really excited. It's really good. Speaking of the movies, I got my nails done this weekend, and the first Sex in the City movie was on TV. Let me tell you, I watched it again a few days ago. It's, like, the third time in 30 days. I just was like, you know, and I'm... I self-admittedly, you did the Sex in the City episodes when I was on maternity leave because I'm not 
I have not really watched the show. I've mm-hmm. seen episodes. I'm, like, familiar. But I would not say I'm, like, a Sex in the City fan. And I was just like, how does anyone like this fucking movie? Like, not because the movie's bad, but because of Mr. Big. I was like, he humiliates her. I was like, this he is does. mortifying. So awful. And I'm, like, angry in the nail I think you just have to know salon. the entire story of Carrie and Big to really appreciate but it. But it just was like, it's not, he's a dick. That's all I'm going to say. And I was just like angry watching it and being like yeah but Carrie is kind of a dick totally 100% I had this conversation with a girlfriend I was like they're all kind of assholes like which is why it's so relatable (laughs) but is it like I was just like uh, I don't really like these people there's a really good fan theory that um, the, the group is really just Charlotte and Miranda's fantasies so like Samantha Hilarious. and Carrie are like who they wish they could be. That's amazing. Which I love. Well, because that was my other thing too. I'm like, because without Carrie, they're not really like. No one's really friends. Like I'm like, eh, what? I was yeah. I got I got down a whole. I feel rabbit like you hole. really just need to take it for what it is and look I at do. that fashion. I do. But yeah, I mean, it took a long time to get my nails done, so I saw a lot of the movie. But I was just like, why does anyone like this? <laughs> I got all I upset. I love it. I mean, I appreciate it when that movie. Just as long as A Star is Born, and I guarantee I will watch Sex and the City way more than A Star is Born. I mean, fair. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Okay. Now that we've just fangirled for, like, ever. I'm yeah. sorry. We just had – I had to talk about it. The rest of the it. episode's going to be 10 minutes long I know. on what we're actually talking about what we're today. actually talking about. But I had – we had to talk. We haven't talked about either of those things. Here we are. So what our actual episode is on, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, this was a fan suggestion from new fan Veronica. Yes. yes? Love. Um, did we buy the DVDs for this? Yeah, we did, because we're committed. Well, we bought season one. We, I mean, maybe we're not that committed, but we watched all of it. I watched it in two days. Same. It was, it was it, a lot. It was a lot. Um, and it's one of those things that... I don't understand the way they order stuff on the DVDs because they all of like the specials are on disc two, but the specials actually predate season one. So when you watch the specials after season one, it's like, yeah. wait, what? The timeline of things and they're like way younger in the specials. Let's get into it. I don't it. think I realized that the lifespan of Pete and Pete lasted I had no for idea. so long. I had zero, so zero they, clue. It was actually 1991 through 1996. Yeah. Because it started with, like, 26-minute-long shorts, like, in between shows on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Then they got five specials, and then they got picked up for a series. Yes. That's a lot. It's very strange. And, like, Ellen narrates the the interstitial ones for the most part, which is kind of strange as well. Um, Okay, so maybe we should back up a little bit. So the show was created by Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi um, with the help of Catherine Deacon. And so Will Mc, they like they basically all were working at Nickelodeon yeah, so in the Will 80s. And, Will and Chris were doing promos for Nickelodeon and Nick at Night. Dead. Which I gotta look them up because mm-hmm. they're probably my favorite ones. Yeah. But that's how they got their start at Nickelodeon. And they really my favorite thing is I was reading this quote and I was like, you just summed up all my feelings. So 
<laughs> we really believed in Nickelodeon at the time it was designed to be the anti-Disney. Uh-huh. Disney was about a certain way of looking at childhood, and Nickelodeon was about trying to capture what was a little more real about being a kid. And so we felt fiercely proud of that identity, especially in the promo department. That anthology of a collective of independently-minded creative people banding together to do something that was subversive, that's where, for me, it was the most powerful. Nickelodeon in the early 90s was it, period. Absolutely. I mean, and it really, I think, shaped an entire generation of kids that I are now between you and me age-wise. Thinking, putting this together, watching the show kind of put me in a depression. Interesting. Because I this was just thinking taking about— a turn. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about our generation and how we hold on to these shows. Yes. And how television has changed so much. And mm-hmm. I don't think anything like this will be made for a long time. So I, as I watched this, you know what I thought? What? I thought there would be no Freaks and Geeks without Pete and Pete. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The look the look of the show— and we'll we'll get into a lot of this. First of all, the look of the show is specific, but it's because they had no money. Like Nickelodeon had no money at all. And so when you look at things like even like Clarissa or it's like their sets are their sets. Like they, it's they all have a sort of a specific color palette. But like, be, be even different from Clarissa. This one was on location. Yeah, it was a single cam. A single cam. Mm-hmm. No laugh track. Yes. They were really just given creative control, which I guess if you have a Netflix show today that you have that, but right. it's very different. Yeah, it's like here people who don't know how to make a television show because uh, Will and Chris they were in their twenties, <laughs> and it's like that also depressed me. I was like, oh, I just I should have made a show. I really <laughs> screwed up. I want to start over. I want to start over. They were like, you don't know how to make a show. You're super young. You've been working us for a while, so we like kind of trust you. And, like, sure, go make this weird show that you want to make that you think is funny, and we'll see what happens. And basically, that's the the story of the adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah. They also, they shot in South Orange, New Jersey. Um, So it's like when you have all these scenes where it's really cold, it was really cold. And it's like you can tell that it wasn't shot in L.A. or that it didn't Mm -hmm. come out of Los Angeles or even Florida where, like, a lot of Nickelodeon shows were later shot. It's like it's this very specific – but it took me a very long time. I'm like, are they in Wisconsin? Where are they? Like you have no idea because they're in Wellsville, which is a made-up suburb. Fictional. Fictional. Um, But it's so not specific, and that's the genius of it because it's like it could be LaPel, Indiana, or it could be Edina, Minnesota, or it could be wherever. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know weird kids like this. Sure. (laughs) A fun fact, though, Little Pete was originally intended to be a dog. (laughs) I love that. But it was real. Someone was smart and, you know, suggested, hey, it's really hard to work with kids, let alone kids and animals. So they they were like, fine, maybe we'll do a little little brother. Should we keep the name the same? They thought it was funny. Kept it. Love that. That's how we have Pete and Pete. Um, I also appreciated that uh, because all of the creators were in their 20s, like none of them had children, so they didn't know anything about kids. And so they just – the entire series is just basically built on their childhood. But that's what makes it so great. Yeah. It's not looking at it from a parent's perspective. Yeah. It's looking at it like freaks and geeks, like Mm -hmm. your memories. Yes. 
And so the big idea, so this is um, a quote from Will McRobb. He says that the, the big idea was let's tell the story the way kids tell stories. And you know how kids kind of tell stories. They go all over the place. And for that, they're amazing. And so that's like when you watch these episodes, you're like, wait, what? Like where? Yeah, what's happening? What's happening? But I'm really, really into it. I will say like first rewatch of this in 10 or so years, mm-hmm. I – didn't realize how much of the stories were about older Pete because growing up, you know, yeah, I younger, related more to, to younger, younger Pete, Pete. Mm-hmm. and it was it was an awakening. I was like, oh, we're all almost always in this junior high, high school situation. Yes, it's more like a Wonder Years vibe almost. Yeah, uh huh. And then you have an insane child doing something else. It's like the B story. Yes. So let's maybe take a step back for people who are not familiar with Pete and Pete, um, which it. It's a specific age range, I think. Yeah. So, like, Eric was kind of like, what? And he, at the time when this came out, he was actually probably the age of Big Pete. And I was, like, basically the age of Little Pete. Mm-hmm. But he – either he, like, didn't have cable or he just, like, missed this, you know. And it was kind of obscure. Like, yeah. when was it on? I mean, it's, like, cult following now. Totally. So the show follows the Wrigley family. Um, so you have – Big Pete, who's played by Mike Morona, and Little Pete, who's played by Danny Tamborelli. Nickelodeon King, Danny Tamborelli. Nickelodeon King. Also, the amount of characters in the show who are also in Mighty Ducks, insane. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it. Um, So then you have their parents, um, who are Don and Joyce, but are just basically referred to as mom and dad. Um, And then you have recurring characters, which is Ellen. So this is Big Pete's best friend. Like, depending on when you watch, like, they have kissed. Are they boyfriend, girlfriend? They They're not. Hands. Sometimes they hold hands. There's like a very. They're working through some puberty stuff. They're definitely working through some things. Artie, the strongest man in the world. And Petunia. Pete's tattoo. Yep. <laughs> Little Pete. Special Little Pete's tattoo. Character. Little Pete's tattoo. Never explained why a seven-year-old could get a tattoo. But no. we never questioned we it. We never questioned it. Uh, I, in re-watching this, forgot how insane Artie is. and like. I was like, is Artie special? And yeah. then you sent me a clip where they were like, we believe that Artie was like a figment of our yeah, imagination. Yeah. And that, but he, it was such a strong figment because everyone else like Even believed the he was there. Could see them. Yeah. And he's bizarre, but without him, the show I think is a little slow. Mm-hmm. Like you need Artie's insanity and sort of comic relief in a lot of yeah. ways that I really. I very much appreciate it. I don't know if it's because Ellen was the main girl of the show, but Ellen was one of my biggest takeaways yeah. from this series. And she's she's not boring. No. But she is very average. Yes. But it, that's what makes her great totally. at the same time. She's literally every girl. Yes. She's every girl. But the actress, no longer acting, mm-hmm. she's a pediatric surgeon. Of course she is. Allison Finelli. Yeah. Uh, Allison, I always remember, so first of all, I had those bangs. She, like, goes in and out of having bangs, you know? And I was like, every girl in the early 90s had those same bangs that you would, like, you would either need a roller. Yeah, you need a curler or, like, something to, like, make that shape. And then I just remember being like, is this girl going to get braces? That sounds so terrible. But it was just like, she's the 12-year-old girl that you're like, my teeth are jacked up and then I get braces. And it's like, yeah, everyone was that girl. Yeah. Like, I appreciate I appreciate how real they are. And then when you look at, like, the Disney kids or even the Nickelodeon kids of today, you're just like, who are you? Like, I know. No one looks I like mean, this. Well, when you look at our favorite teen shows or, like, adolescent shows, so, like, Pete and Pete, yeah. Freaks and Geeks, 
most of my so-called life. Yeah. Uh, what else? I don't. Everyone looks real. Yes. And that's why you can relate to them more. Nobody wants a perfect Disney Channel family. No. Like, I was thinking about this, too. Kids who grow up on, like, iCarly, Hannah Montana, like, those are going to be fun to rewatch. Yeah. But you're not going to have, like, an emotional attachment to these shows in the same way. No, I agree. I, I, I completely agree. And it's just, like, they're too bright. That sounds strange, but, like, life it's is superficial. That, it's superficial. In every way. It's too well lit. Like, life isn't well lit like that. Like, you're not looking your best every single day. And it's like, there was an episode where Ellen has, like, a huge zit on her forehead. And it's like, yeah, great. Like, yes, because that's what you actually care about. And that's what is actually going on when you're 13, And we don't address it. It's just there. We know it's going to leave in a couple days. Yeah. We just cover it up. So we get the 20... Six one minute interstitials, which you sent me like four of them. Yeah, you they're can all watch great. Some of them on YouTube, they're all very enjoyable. Especially love the Halloween one, obviously. Yes, I appreciate the Mom's Plate one because that's a big character development for Joyce. <laughs> we should have mentioned Mom's Plate is a character. Yes, Mom's Plate is a character. It's credited in the opening the credit sequence. Plate. She had some accident and it's one of those things if you just watch the pilot you're like what how does this woman have a metal plate but again it's not fully explained it's no. just she had an accident yes. and now she has a plate and in now she has a metal plate and she can get radio stations and it's kind of great um but so the first actual special is the Valentine's Day massacre now they go to a school Pete Big Pete does cuz little Pete's still in elementary school and their accident, or their accident, their mascot is a squid. <laughs> a real squid. <laughs> a real squid. Uh, so Big Pete and the school stadium line painter, Mr. Beverly, who's squid Edna, the school mascot Pete has accidentally killed, vie for the love of the math teacher, Mrs. Fingerwood. Gross name. However, Open Face. Time out. <laughs> open Face is a nickname because he loves Open, open Face, face sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. I loved that. Okay. Um, Tries to get the upper hand in a quest for the missing squid and helps Mr. Beverly with his love for Miss Fingerwood. He tries to get Ellen to exploit the Peets by revealing the secret of what really happened to Edna. So, essentially, Pete kills Edna in a discus accident. Accidentally, they give her a ceremonial burial at the 50-yard line of their school. And then they swear to secrecy, Ellen, Pete, and Pete, that they're not going to tell anyone. And then there's, like, a whole, like, absurd storyline where Pete's in love with his math teacher, but the, like, maintenance guy is also in love with the math teacher. It's an insane episode, but it's great. I read this quote about the episode. I'm going to paraphrase, but it was basically, like, when you come down to it, it's really just about a boy having a crush on his teacher, which is, like, one of the most normal things a kid can have. Mm -hmm. But then they just add something insane into it. It's almost like a cartoon. Very good. Very, because it's yes. like a real-life situation, but heightened, mm-hmm. like, to insanity. Yeah. And then, like, it is almost like a cartoon. I've never really thought about it that way. But almost every single episode I think you could say that about. Like, yeah. It's like ev- they were working at Nickelodeon, and they learned how to write for animation. And then they were yes. like, let's make this show. <laughs> let's make this, like, real-life show. Um, and so, you know, you, you meet kind of all the main characters, there's, like, some craziness going on, um, and all in, all in all, it's, like, a very sweet uh, episode. You, like, start to see a little bit of 
Ellen, like, does Ellen mm-hmm. have a crush on Pete and he doesn't know? Like, there's some there's some things yeah. happening. It kind of felt like a Christmas story in a way, mm-hmm. the way the bullies kind of yes. came up. Uh-huh. Um, maybe they just pull from elements of classic movies. There's definitely a Christmas yeah. story vibe in general to this show because of the way it looks. And because they're, like, bundled up in the cold <laughs> yeah, weather. Yeah, because it's cold. But Ellen comes running up in this the jacket that, no joke, every girl in the early 90s had. That sort of, like, windbreaker-esque, like, bright, two-toned look. And I can, I can hear it. I can literally hear it. Yeah, the noise that it yes. makes. And it was With just, like... With a scrunchie in your yeah. hair. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good look. It is a good look. It's kind of coming back. I appreciate it. So this first special you know, sort of catapults them to getting four more specials. It had to have been such a weird experience to be like, I don't know, we're making this weird show, but, like, people seem to like it. Or don't people don't hate it is probably what happened. People don't hate it, and it's getting a small fan base. Let's try it as a show. Let's see how it works. Right, because so now this is pre-My So-Called Life, which, if you remember, My So-Called Life was the first sort of internet campaign to save anything. Mm-hmm. So Pete and Pete is pre-internet. So the notion of something being like a cult following, it's like, how? How yeah. did this spread? And the, the creators were saying that the the demo was kind of like kids under 10 and college kids. Yeah. Like that's who was watching The Adventures of Pete and so Pete. So most of this information we got from a really good Vulture article. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But it starts actually interviewing Janine Garofalo, who ends up being on the show later. But... Like, everyone cool in New York was just kind of a fan of the show because that's what you stumbled upon flipping through channels. And yeah. it was just so weird yeah. and good. Yeah. They kept referencing, and I got a little annoyed with it in the article, this sort of, like, downtown vibe of the sh- – the downtown New York vibe of the show. Yeah. It and was I was like, cool. all right. But, like, I don't know that they were sitting in their writer's room being like, you know what? We need to infuse the show with more a downtown no, New York No, I think vibe. they just pulled – it was – it was all honest, yeah. but it's like, this is where we're living, this is what we like, mm-hmm. because that's how you get a lot of the guest stars we'll talk about in the future. Yes. It just all came together, and then that's what it turned out to be. And now here we are. Um, okay, so you get these specials, and then you get the first episode. So the first episode is not a pilot in a normal sense, because you've had so much character yeah. development and explanation in these shorts and in these specials. Yeah, and I would argue, if you were watching this thinking it's the first episode— you wouldn't fully understand no. Pete and Pete because it's mostly about the family as a whole. Yes. With the dad being at the center of the episode. Yes, which is very little of the rest yeah. of the episode. So this episode's called King of the Road. And on a family trip to the Hoover Dam, Don, the dad, is determined to defend his title as King of the Road from a challenging family. But lengthy bathroom breaks and a <laughs> lack of family cohesion threaten his success. Lengthy bathroom breaks. This episode, to me, like, I mean, I just said this kind of feels like a cartoon, but this episode felt like Nickelodeon magazine personified. Yeah, and I just had the comment of, yes. Like, if you got Nickelodeon magazine, you understand that reference. Yeah. It's just, like, it's kind of messy. Kind of wacky. But it's... (laughs) But there's, like, a little bit of heart. It's even just the look of it. It just Mm -hmm. all comes together. Yes. You're on brand. You're on brand. And most of the opening title credits then come from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, as you watch the show, if you've seen King of the Road, you see little Pete sticking his tongue out the window, mom, like, in a field because she's, like, trying, trying to find to the find best place to pee. Um, I really appreciated the 
rules of the road, like the dad rules of the mm-hmm. road. He had earned his crown over the years by being the best on the road in the three major dad driving categories. One, never asking for directions, no matter what. Two, roof stack packing. And three, the true measure of dad greatness, making good time on the road. The making good time kills me. And such then, a dad thing. Such a dad thing. Making but good time. What you learn later is that he doesn't speed. Like yeah. he he's it's a part of his process. Yes, is that he like oh he what is he, he says he drives clean. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, we're I'm gonna follow the rules, but we're gonna make it there on time. And so they're driving from ostensibly New Jersey to the Hoover Dam, which is in Las Vegas. And I was like, because at one point Pete says it's they're going to be on the road for twenty three hours. They say they do it every summer. Yeah, and I was like, they that's only a go to the Hoover Dam. Way longer drive than twenty three hours from New Jersey yeah. to Las but Vegas. But I do love like their little things on their road trip, like power elbows, mm-hmm. like when they're feeling good, they stick their elbow out of the window, uh-huh. or the roadkill, like bingo, yeah, which mm-hmm. had crazy animals. One of them was like a beagle. <laughs> one of them was a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> when have you just seen a roadside flamingo? As soon as the other family, like the opposing family in this episode, arrived, I instantly remembered this episode because I remembered the girl and yeah. like her and her sister having the matching dresses, yeah. but the girl mm-hmm. being very pretty. They're very like Laura Ashley dresses yes. too, and it's like everyone knew that girl in the '90s too. And you're like, come on! Of course, older Pete has a crush on her. They mm-hmm. meet at a ro- road stop, and then it just becomes a competition between the dads. Yeah. Um, the they, other dad has been in a bunch of things, and I, yeah, I, I didn't look remember. him up, but I was like, why do I know this guy? But they end up doing a roof stacking packing competition mm-hmm. to see who can get the most luggage on the top. Yeah. And they end up winning because of Little Pete's toy, which I read is actually a figurine of Babu from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is a character I have no memory of. Yeah. But love that fun fact. But here we go. <laughs> so I don't think you can talk about Pete and Pete. Without talking about the theme song. Duh. It is one of those things that it's like, it's seared in your mind, but you have no idea what the lyrics are. You just like I, know the I music. Mean, I kind of know what the lyrics are, but it a, has a highly controversial line in it. Yes. So this is by a band called Polaris. Mm-hmm. Polaris. Polaris. However Polaris. you prefer. Mm-hmm. It's a side project of Miracle Legion. Um, and they actually served as the show's house band. You see them pop up in other episodes. Yep. They've done more songs. You can you can listen to it on Spotify. Like, it exists as an album mm-hmm. for all the music of the show. But um, these lyrics were, I don't know. It's controversy. So the song is called Hey Sandy. And the Sandy, it's a, when you, like, think about the song and then you relate it to a kid's show, it's like, wait, what? But yet somehow it fits perfectly. T- totally. So Hey Sandy. The Sandy that is being referenced is Sandra Lee, I think it's Shewer, who was shot by a stray bullet during the Kent State shootings. What, what? Like, also, side note, I did my History Day project on Kent State, so I was like, oh, yeah, I remember all oh, this. Oh, you're familiar. Um, and so the, the lyrics have been sort of subject of, like, a lot of speculation over the years, and both sort of Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi were, like, fiercely sort of protective of the lyrics for a while, and they kind of appreciated the, like, yeah, I listened to a commentary of one of the episodes, and they were oh. like, we love that. Like, we're not going to confirm it. We love that people are still talking about it. Right. So we're not going to say anything. So the controversial line is the third line of the, of the song, which most people believe is, could you settle to shoot me? I can't be to shoot me. So apparently. 
apparently it shows up as a subtitle lyric if you turn subtitles on for the episodes. Ah. But I read years ago, so I don't know if this is true, that third line seemed like a little controversial. So they, he, the singer is just singing gibberish. Yeah. So it might technically be this lyric, mm-hmm. but it's like, blah, blah, like it's, Sung, he just slurred yeah. the words. Because it really does sound like shoe ends with an M. It's not shoot me, it's like shoom. Yeah. So I don't think he's like enunciating just so you don't know, like that's what he's saying. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I, while I was watching these episodes, I forgot how distinctly I remember the part where he stands on the drum. Like, the lead singer, like, gets a, up on the drum. It's really a great intro yeah. as well because they're showing, like, shots from the pilot. But they're also showing this perfectly early 90s band playing in the front yard. Mm-hmm. It just, it really captures, like, a year in the life. Yeah. And this band is, like, I don't even know how to describe them. They're, like, a perfect, yeah, you said it, 90s band, but they're, like, this weird garage, like... It's almost like a blind melon, but not... But, like, we want to be the Ramones, but we're not. Like, it's, like, there's some sort of, and like... it's not full grunge. No. It's, like, a little bubblegum grunge, but not... Which I bu- love. Right. But also, like, not boy band. Like, I don't... It's... They're perfect for this. I know. For some reason, it's, like, when leaves are on the ground, I need to listen to this song. <laughs> it just works. It's great. And then, I mean, now, because we watch this on DVD, you can't really, like, skip the intro like you could on a Netflix. And so mm-hmm. I've listened to it a lot in the last couple of days. And now I it's just— I listened to it on the way here. It's burned into my brain. Up. It's burned into my brain. Um, but, yeah, now, now you know who that Sandy is. A school shooting mm. victim. Cool. It's not the dog from Annie, which is what I attached it to. Did you really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> you just looked at me like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> Um, okay. Do we have anything else to talk about for our initial episode? I mean, maybe some thoughts and feelings, but we really need to save. We've got a lot of guest stars to talk about in the Mm -hmm. future. More music, probably. Mm -hmm. Favorite episodes. Yeah. So a lot's on the docket. A lot's yet to come. Overall, is this one of those shows that's kind of like a defining childhood show? Or what are your thoughts on it? I feel like I might have been a little too young to Mm -hmm. fully appreciate it. I know I watched it a lot. I'm sure my dad probably appreciated it, too. Mm -hmm. And I definitely watched reruns. But I wouldn't say it was, like, it for me. I just remember thinking that no one else watched it. Like, I remember it feeling... Like special. Yeah, like it was yours. Yeah, it was mine. And it was just like, this. I don't know what I'm watching. And, you know, because I was the right age Mm -hmm. and remember being like this is like nothing else I've seen like as a family we would watch you know the Cosby show or whatever and it was just like such a diversion from that and it was like this show was made for me I don't know why but I like it but it was like I didn't I don't remember talking about it with anybody because I felt like no one else was watching it because it was like this weird little private show just for me. Maybe it's because I watched a lot of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Mm-hmm. It just felt mm-hmm. normal. Like this is what I'm supposed to be watching. Yeah. This is right. Absurdity. Yeah. It's strange that this was like a real era of like absurdity for children and it's like great. Which is what needs to exist. You're right. Now people are watching weird YouTube series of like boys. Like, human boys, like, riding a toy or something. Yeah. No, my friend was telling me that her daughter loves to watch um, this, like, sort of 
uh, like just random person, like poor colored M&Ms over a teddy bear on YouTube. And I'm like, cool. That's like a fetish. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know. Things are weird. Uh, Just remembered I have seen Danny Tamborelli once. Oh. Two of my Nickelodeon stars I've seen both too excited for to see in person. (laughs) Where did you see him? I saw him at a diner. And then I went across the street to the other diner because that one was too full and Lana Del Rey was at the other one. Oh, God, but what a night. But I was much more excited for Danny Timberelli. <laughs> As you should be. I always say, if you were on television in the 90s, I cannot talk to you. Yeah. Uh, my other Nickelodeon star sighting was Lori Beth Timberg, and I thought I saw Meryl Streep. <laughs> Just crying. You're like wow. singing the All That theme song. All right, guys. That's it for this week's episode. Please chime in with your thoughts about Pete and Pete. Um, I know it's really hard to watch. Like, we apologize for that. But if you have the DVDs or if you can, like, find it's stuff not, on YouTube. It's not necessarily hard to watch, but it's hard to binge. That's what I mean. It's, it's hard to find. It's hard to, like, physically find without buying oh, the DVDs. Oh, I just mean, like, after a while I get kind of, like, it's oh, yeah. slow. It's a, a little slow. Where I'm like, yeah. I need to leave. <laughs> I need to watch something But I do bright. love it. Yeah, okay. but it's great. So send us your thoughts, hellofangirls at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Find our merch store. Yep. Leave us a review. Please. We are three away from 50. <gasps> if we Ooh. can get to 50 by the end of the year. What a Christmas treat. Yeah, that would be the best. <laughs> so until next week, bye. Bye. bye.